Hi, everyone. It is June the 20th, 2022. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. Lots of headlines today about the crash of Web3, of crypto. But there are lots of other tech out there, too. TikTok is in the news. TikTok now being the dominant uh, social media platform. Lots of controversy about whether or not the Chinese, who, of course, own, and we talk about the Chinese in broad terms. God knows what that means, um, are looking at the U.S. data on TikTok. Um, lots of other stories about TikTok's influence on a broader culture. Did a show, um, uh, I did a, a, sorry, a piece a couple of weeks ago about TikTok ascendant, how TikTok was threatening, changing, uh, perhaps undermining our democracy. Um, and this, of course, very much connects with celebrity culture. TikTok is the ultimate platform for particularly celebrity feminism and, and, and celebrity sexual uh, uh, issues. Uh, the Depp um, Amber Heard issue was very much dominated by TikTok. Uh, according to One Piece um, in Vox, the Me Too backlash is here. Um, according to another excellent journalist, Chris Stoker-Walker from Wired, Johnny Depp has become a full circle meme. Um, uh, Chris... Uh, uh, Chris is not just um, a wired uh, uh, journalist, Chris Stoker Walker. He's also the author, as it happens, of a book about TikTok called TikTok Boom, uh, China's Dynamite App and the Superpower Race for Social Media. Uh, Chris is joining us from Newcastle. Chris, uh, you're Mr. Mr. TikTok. You are uh, some people called you the last tech journalist, and perhaps appropriately enough, given that. Uh, TikTok is the last social media app. You're covering it. What is it about TikTok that makes it the natural successor to Facebook, Chris? I think that it, it's just because it's so ubiquitous and it's grown so fast, Andrew. Yeah, we, we've seen TikTok managing to get a billion users in a fraction of the time that any other social media platform has. And, and that's partly just because of the natural progression of things where we see trends come and go far quicker. But also, I think it's something to do with the way that the company has tapped into an entirely different paradigm for communication. And, you know, we've seen the success of platforms like YouTube, which I, I wrote a, a book on back in 2019. And, and we've kind of seen yeah, how... And your book was called YouTubers, how YouTube shook up TV and created a new generation of stuff. Does. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think you know, YouTube was very, very significant because it kind of standardized online video. Um, but what TikTok does is it takes that on in a different way and it kind of redefines the way of communication in, in, in a matter that doesn't necessarily happen all that often. So it's really a, a paradigm shift in terms of what it does. But also, I think what's so significant and, and you know, why you brought that link between TikTok and Facebook and why Facebook is perhaps quite so concerned about it is that TikTok, for maybe the first time in kind of our social media era, demonstrates that you can be popular globally while being outside of that kind of Silicon Valley enclave. And I think that's both equally exciting and equally petrifying in, in similar measures for all the reasons that we've highlighted in terms of the stories that you shared right there at the start. Chris, some people be watching this, perhaps older people, although I'm not sure how generational TikTok is. It's very popular with kids, but also with grown-ups. 
they won't know what TikTok is. Here we have some images of its front page, which is fairly meaningless. It's Wikipedia page um, and its Chinese owner ByteDance. So if you switched off the internet in 2018, when Facebook was at its pomp, um, and, and all social media was dominated by Facebook, and you switched it back on today, how would you be surprised with TikTok? How is TikTok different from Facebook? I think that you'd be surprised by the fact that it's quite so invasive and you know bombardment for your eyes and your senses. So one of the things that's different about TikTok is when you open up the app, it is full screen immersive video, sound on, and an endless scroll. So it's not like you're ever going to run out of content. I think also what's interesting about it is the brevity of the content on there. So we've become used to kind of long form videos, long form posts, all of this stuff. If you were around in 2018, that was, you know, the heyday of YouTube and Facebook watch and endless video streams. TikTok, the average video, usually kind of 15 to 60 seconds. The app itself advises. We wouldn't do very well on TikTok then, Chris. We'd already be We'd already be toast, right? We have to sum up what we're saying in 15 seconds. Exactly. I would be terrible at it because I, I simply drone on and on. But I think, you know, the average video length that TikTok kind of recommends for attention span is something like 13 to 22 seconds. And people don't. So it's like Twitter in a that. sense. Twitter, of course, originally being distinguished for, a, for its 160 character uh, pieces. So in a sense, it's more a a successor to Twitter on the video front than Facebook. Yeah, and that's a really interesting way of putting it is essentially it's microblogging for video. Of course, they are changing that. Um, you know, TikTok has trialed uh, three-minute videos. That's now standard. You can post up to three minutes uh, in the app. For some people, it's five minutes and ten minutes. Douyin, which is the Chinese sister app of TikTok, and this is kind of a an interesting wrinkle because there are parallel apps which are largely similar developed by the same parent company that you you showed a video screen of there of ByteDance. Uh, TikTok and Douyin, the western version of the app and the Chinese version of the app have similar functions, similar look. Um, On Douyin the videos can be even longer which is kind of an indication of where TikTok may be going but at the minute the thing that separates TikTok in terms of content is the brevity of it and then what you don't see but you kind of feel as a user is um the recommendation algorithm that is so powerful on TikTok. the thing that shows you the videos is supercharged and super powered and it knows us Chris, better way. than we know ourselves the famous words of eric schmidt the then ceo of google but but you're saying that TikTok actually has developed a Uh, a particularly sophisticated AI that can guess or perhaps not guess can know exactly what we want to see before we know it ourselves and certainly more effectively than us trawling through this ocean of content on TikTok. Yeah, and and that's kind of the secret of its success. And and the reason that it does that is both they've invested an awful lot of time, money, and engineering power into developing that AI system. And also, it's partly because it's fed constantly with new information. Think about how many videos on YouTube you would watch over the course of an hour and how much data you are inputting to the YouTube algorithm to try and figure out what you're interested in and what you like versus TikTok. Because of the fact that the videos are shorter, 
you're having far more signals over a given time period to train the algorithm up that you're interested in certain types of content. So all those things combined make TikTok really, really successful. And I think also make TikTok different to pretty much everything that's gone before it. You described, I was watching a, a video on YouTube of, of, of you, you described TikTok as our new public forum. There's something creepy about that, uh, a public forum of 15-second video clips, which knows us better than we know it. H how is this the new public forum, and, and what does that suggest for the future of democracy? That's no good thing. And I think that we can look to the precedent of Twitter being essentially the public forum that we communicate in through text. Um, you know, every social media platform, and it's ironic given that these are all private companies that we all adhere to the terms of service of, who can kick us off at a whim, have replaced large public spaces in where we thrash out the future of society. And, and you know, TikTok has that added wrinkle, which many people are concerned about, of being linked in some way to China, as you said, the nebulous idea of China, and um, you know we can kind of get onto concerns or not about that. But I think that you know it is damaging in some ways, but also we have to bear in mind that that's how social media is nowadays. It, it's it's a vital part of our discourse and. Yeah, frankly, I've been involved in the tech world too long and using these platforms too long to avoid them. It's kind of like a dopamine hit every single day. I'm addicted to them, Andrew. I hope not too addicted, Chris. Um, <laughs> we've done a number of shows on what uh, is now called surveillance capitalism. Um, uh, is the business model of TikTok, Chris, is it again, the natural conclusion of surveillance capitalism. Are we being watched? Is TikTok taking our data and feeding it back to the advertisers? And indeed, how are they paying um, the people who are the stars on TikTok? You, you wrote a book on YouTubers, how YouTube shook up TV and created a new generation of stars. YouTube not only created a new generation of stars, but of media professionals. They pay them through the uh, the, the tried and trusted Google advertising surveillance capitalism model. Has, has TikTok taken that or do they have a new model? So TikTok has a different one. So Google, YouTube, um, which is owned by Google, took one model, as you said, the AdSense revenue model, which is that you know pre-roll, mid-roll uh, adverts on any video on YouTube, the, the share of um, any revenue from that advert goes 55, 45 to YouTube and to the creator. And you only need to look at YouTube's uh, financial results every single quarter to see quite how much money both the company and the creators involved are making. It's in the billions. TikTok's slightly different. Um, you know, TikTok, the company, earns money through advertising based on the app. So um, in my book from kind of early 2021, um, if you wanted to have the first video that opens on TikTok, uh, when you look at the app, cost you something like a quarter of a million dollars uh, in order to have that placement. But that all goes to TikTok. As it is, creators don't get any revenue from the adverts that are served next to their videos. And I'm unsure whether or not they would go down that ad supported model simply because of the brevity of the videos and the idea that you you know it would be very difficult to to shove a mid-roll ad into a 15 second video instead 
what they do is something different and something that has not been without its own controversies, which is a creator fund. So they essentially have a big slush pool of money um, that they disperse to creators uh, who fit the criteria that they have. So you have to be big enough, you have to have enough followers, you have to be old enough, you have to have a certain reach. And then based on the number of views that you get, you get some income. Not really enough to yeah, survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you didn't say, Chris, conveniently left out, is you have to be perhaps politically correct or at least not politically incorrect in the context of the Chinese regime. We've done lots of shows about China's surveillance state over the last few years. One with the German journalist Kai Strittmatter, uh, for example, has an important new book out, We Have Been Harmonized, Life in China's Surveillance State. Um the issue of Chinese ownership, we began with the scandal over whether or not, again, and we have to be careful who we mean by the Chinese, but the headlines about the Chinese accessing American TikTok users' data is still quite resonant. Um, is there a, a political component? You noted that ByteDance was the owner, uh, a Chinese multinational internet company, the sort of, I guess, the equivalent in some ways of Alphabet or Meta in China, are they very careful not to pay, for example, dissidents? I don't suppose there's a lot of um, uh, politically uncomfortable truths, particularly about China on TikTok, is there? Um, yeah, there is, actually. And, and this is one of the interesting things, is there is this kind of parallel streaming. Um, you certainly wouldn't find that on Douyin, the Chinese equivalent, and, you know, we need to bear in mind that's abhorrent and terrible. On TikTok, you do find that. You didn't always find that. And there is a an interesting evolution that I've charted through my reporting and that we continue to see. And it is a work in progress. And TikTok and ByteDance do have you know work to do on this from being a very Chinese sensibility uh, company, which has kind of very idiosyncratic and unpalatable um, values towards things like censorship and even things like body positivity. You know, there, there were guidelines that I've seen on TikTok up until a couple of years ago that said that if you were ugly or your uh, apartment or your house looked poor, then you wouldn't be pushed through the algorithm to users. Um, and that is a huge concern tiktok to their credit have you know fessed up to that they've said particularly their western uh, representatives in in the uk parliament and elsewhere that you know they did inherit um what i think are, are pretty terrible uh, content moderation guidelines and attitudes towards that sort of stuff and they have started to westernize that and adapt it based on the circumstances of the country that they're in um, you know, in terms of like the the broader issues, including the reporting that we've seen from BuzzFeed News about kind of the connection to China and the access to data, um, TikTok um, does deny that any user data goes to China. Um, it's it's interesting actually that well, at least goes to because when you say China, I mean they're China. The you're talking about the Chinese government. Yeah, and, and you know it is interesting that the BuzzFeed News story. Um, is new to some extent in that it has significant input from TikTok employees and raises their concerns, although it is something that I did flag in, in my book uh, last year. And it's kind of this, this interesting idea of, you know, TikTok 
having this challenge of needing to kind of prove to the world that they are cleaner than clean, while also meaning that they are aligning over the truth in in some ways uh, is probably the the politest safest yeah, way of saying uh, it. highly and, euphemistic chris uh, you, you talked about westernization uh, of tiktok i'm not sure that necessarily a good thing i mean we've talked about the impact of celebrities broadly on our culture and and, and the way in which uh, I, I as i said i wrote a piece on tiktok in the age of celebrity uh, social media in many ways, I think you're suggesting that TikTok is a successor, not to Twitter or Facebook, but actually to Instagram, which, of course, Facebook acquired. We've done lots of shows about the crisis of Facebook. David Kirkpatrick, Shira Frankel, uh, the New York Times report has an important book, An Ugly Truth. Um, is uh, TikTok the Chinese version of Instagram, a more successful, perhaps a better run version with a more viable business model i think that that maybe oversimplifies things a little bit because it suggests that tiktok has a sort of widely known popular precedent now tiktok does have precedence one of the things that's really interesting about it is it is a frankenstein's monster of an app where basically popular elements from predecessor apps have been cannibalized and put together into this kind of super app that is interesting to every single person um and it is notable that it has displaced instagram in terms of being very very popular amongst a certain generation a certain type of people to the to the extent that meta the parent company of instagram is i think on its third attempt to kind of copy tiktok in terms of instagram reels and we're seeing Meta talking about how they're going to become more and more like TikTok in the future, but I, I, you know, I think that in terms of format, in terms of kind of impact, TikTok is almost a step above and a, a step away from what's gone before. So, you know, there are certainly elements of Instagram in there, and there are elements of lots of other apps in there. But I think it's ubiquity and and the idea of it becoming kind of this totemic example of social media kind of the the um the equivalent of like a a a vacuum cleaner becoming the hoover um you know the the idea that a brand name replaces a concept yeah or yeah like you know kleenex becoming tissues or google for searching You you google stuff even if you're not using Google search engine. I think that's what's so interesting about it. In the same way as Mark Zuckerberg is perhaps waving his white flag to TikTok and is moving on to trying to turn the metaverse into meta. There was an interesting piece, Chris, um, in The Verge about distinguishing TikTok and Facebook, suggesting that TikTok wants, that Facebook always wanted to connect us and, and TikTok, all they want to do is entertain us. There was a very important book, I'm sure you're familiar with it, written in 1984 by the American uh, media critic Neil Postman, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business. It's one of my favorite books. I often refer to it um, on the show. The beginning of the book, Postman said, we got, and he was writing in 84, he said, we got 1984, Orwell's 1984 wrong. We thought that the future was Orwell's surveillance state, but actually the truth is that the future was Huxley's Brave New World where we were indeed just being entertained by de- to death by whatever Huxley 
imagine was the equivalent of 15 second videos in the 1920s. Does TikTok prove Postman's point that we are now entertaining ourselves to death on the internet, that everything has become entertainment and that it's been turned into a, uh, as you said earlier, a kind of drug? I think that everything is content now. And I think that content is entertaining. I, I think what's particularly interesting about that in light of you know, that book is that we see everybody being a creator now. Everybody is entertaining everybody else simply by dint of accessing TikTok. And that's by design, particularly with TikTok. If you look at the the evolution of, you know, if we call it entertainment or the online video space, um, user-generated content as, a, as another kind of term for it, um, you used to have to have a significant barrier to entry in order to do this. So if you know, we very briefly take a kind of broad sweep of a century's evolution, if you want to become an actor, a Hollywood star, or even a TV star in the, the middle of the 20th century, you, know, you had to convince gatekeepers that you would be worthwhile. You had a, an audience that would be interested in you. You had to be talented. You then had to go into a production system that would support you. What was really interesting with the idea of social media, and particularly, I guess, YouTube, if we're talking about video, is that YouTube broke down some of those barriers. You didn't need to convince the gatekeepers, but you did, however, still need the production capabilities. You needed a ring light like I have. You needed a decent webcam. You needed a good microphone. TikTok's slightly different, and, and TikTok does kind of bring in that, that age of entertainment, as you mentioned, which is you don't need all of that stuff in large part because of the advancement of hardware. So everything that you need to produce decent quality video and audio is now on your smartphone. And when you augment it with good quality software like TikTok with various filters and all sorts of things like that, AI editing tools, you can create really pretty polished content by having no expertise at all. And I think that's what's so interesting in this idea of you know, the age of entertainment and everybody being an entertainer is you can inadvertently become an entertainer. Yeah, I mean, there's a great creator. story this week. Um, Louis Thoreau, the high-end English writer, has become an accidental TikTok star through a, 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 a mock uh, hip-hop song that he, he, he made while he was on location for the BBC. So you can become a TikTok star accidentally. That certainly offers huge material for novelists, doesn't it, Chris? It does. And I think what's interesting about the Louis Theroux example is it's not actually the unit of content that he created. You know, the, the video that he created was a relatively full rap song. What's interesting about this, and it's kind of TikTok's remix culture and meme-based culture, is only a small section of that has been taken and been deployed in different ways on TikTok to become popular. So, you know, you can actually see things taken out of context and things shifted in a way that maybe you wouldn't understand or want necessarily to happen, which is, I think, why Louis III was quite so uncomfortable or uncertain about this newfound popularity on TikTok. What's, what's interesting, um, ironic, I think, about TikTok is that these ideas of remixing, of short-form video, of making everybody the entertainer, they've been around for 20 years. I've been involved with debates with people like Larry Lessig for years about this stuff. And the interesting thing is now, only now, it's coming to fruition. It's not a new technology. It's not like Web3. It's not crypto. This is 
in a sense, old technology being deployed in a new way. So there's nothing, there's no great tech story apart from the effective AI in TikTok, is there, Chris? It's more of a cultural story. Well, I think I think it's a cultural story, but I do think that you, you know, in my YouTube book, for instance, I told the story of VloggerCon, which, um, you know, was a conference of video bloggers uh, way back when, before YouTube even existed. And, uh, you know, I think that there is something to be said about the idea that all of this hardware is in your pocket now versus you having it around there before. But absolutely, the, the concept of this um, is relatively new. And as you say, the cultural moment of it is as well. And, you know, one of the things that I'm fascinated by and you know I, I lecture on journalism at a, a university here in the UK and we talk a little bit about kind of the evolution of journalists as you know quasi celebrities and personalities is that you know we're feeding into kind of a longer continuum here I suppose of like reality TV stars everyday people becoming celebrities simply because they are famous and you know I, I think you know, for all that, you know, digital creators work incredibly hard to do what they do. And many of them have a deliberate business plan in order to develop their personality and their reach online. I think what we do sometimes see is um, perhaps this idea of just someone becoming popular by accident, almost like a weird Truman Show style element of celebrity. Yeah, Truman Show is another extremely ironically prescient um, uh, movie. A couple of quick questions. I know you've got to run, Chris. Um, technology and certainly the tech business never stands still. As you note in TikTok boom, it's the newest of the new things. What do you think worries the TikTok um, execs, the next big thing? It's certainly not Facebook or Twitter or perhaps even an American platform. What conceivably comes after TikTok. You've talked about it as the natural conclusion of social media, but it's not the, the natural conclusion of anything. Uh, history never really ends. What comes in? What 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 is knocking on the door of TikTok in your mind? If I knew that, Andrew, I'd be a richer man than a You a won't be, talking, you won't be wasting your time talking to me, right? Exactly. No, but and this you is this tell is, us either. No, but this is this is one of the interesting things, and, and it is. Um, you know, I get asked this question a lot about what's going to replace TikTok. And truthfully, you know, the answer is I don't know. If, if I had to make a, a best guess, then I would say that nothing will soon. I think in the same way that Facebook kind of dominated online discourse and affected our lives both online and off for you know, a good chunk of the early 21st century, I think we're kind of in that early phase with TikTok. And it's because I don't see anything coming around the corner in the same way that TikTok was when I was writing my book about Facebook. You know, I, I finished off edits on YouTubers in 2019 and I could see that TikTok was gaining momentum. So I was able to fold in. I feel very smug about that fact now to say that TikTok was potentially the next big thing. With um, TikTok boom, there wasn't anything that's coming around right now. And I think that's kind of fascinating. So I, I kind of, I'm more interested to see what TikTok's going to do in the future in order to try and maybe maintain and consolidate that success than what is coming around the corner from, you know, other services. I could have said, you know, we're going to see audio dominating the space live audio but then we've had that for a while we had that with not. clubhouse and that's a failure chris let's end on 
democracy. Uh, as I said earlier on YouTube, you suggested that TikTok is our new public forum. Lots of changes in democracy is an interesting piece uh, in the war in the Washington Post uh, today about um, uh, uh, the, the changes in conservatism in America, uh, the, the way in which Peter Thiel is rewriting American conservatism. Um, how do you think TikTok, leaving aside the, the, the Chinese question, the Chinese issue, how is TikTok rewriting democracy in the West, in the United States and the UK as a, as a public forum? Should we see it? We tend to see everything as a danger. We've seen the impact of Twitter and Facebook on democracy. Are we waiting for the other shoe to drop? Are there going to be stories in the future as American or British democracy disintegrates even more, which reveals the corrosive impact of TikTok? I mean, I'm a tech skeptic, tech reporter. So I think, you know, we need to be very, very cautious about these things. And whenever you see a ubiquitous public platform that is essentially replacing, you know, the public space in terms of where we have our debates about democracy in our society and the future of it, you're always going to see bad actors. And TikTok is no different. I think what is interesting um, is that, you know, TikTok has always been hyper-conscious of the failings of its predecessors. One of the things that's fascinating about that business is that they act like a sponge trying to soak up information about their competition, the people that were also rans in the past. You know, TikTok had a spiritual predecessor in Vine, which was a short-form video app in the sort of late 2010s. Um, they regularly wine and dine former Vine executives and staff in order to try and learn what went wrong there so they wouldn't repeat the same mistakes. Of course, TikTok will have lots of issues with it um, in the years to come, but I wonder whether or not they won't be as numerous and potentially not as serious as those that have gone before, when you think about the Cambridge Analytica scandal and so on and so forth, in large part because they've seen the issues of big tech and they know the pitfalls there and they are dodging and ducking to try and avoid it. Doesn't mean that there won't be issues because frankly, every tech platform is terrible and we need to be concerned about it. But it does, I think, mean that they are more conscious of those issues. And I, I, I take that. And the final question, I know you've got to run, Chris. Mm -hmm. um, as I suggested, an interesting piece by uh, Elizabeth Dwoskin in the Washington Post about Teal now. He helped build t big tech. Now he wants to tear it down in terms of his relationship with conservatism and, and Trump. Is it conceivable, though, coming back to Postman, that what our TikTok age will, will show is that people just don't care about politics, about democracy, and that for them, TikTok is sufficient. If you can put short form videos up, then that's fine. And you're not going to really worry about old men like Joe Biden or Boris Johnson or even Donald Trump, and that you're happy with your TikTok just as most people in China seem happy with TikTok. I think the opposite, actually. I think what's particularly maybe concerning for me is at some point we're going to see a YouTube precedent. At some time we're going to see a TikTok precedent. And I find that equal parts fascinating and concerning. Um, you spend any time on TikTok and you realise quite how politically engaged its user base is. You know how they have a moral compass and they're willing to campaign and fight for these things. So, um, you know, in terms of the masses, I have, you know, good hope for the future. In terms of the individuals, 
well, creators are a bit weird and a little bit scary and celebrities have become leaders of countries before with not necessarily good consequences. So that's a little bit of a concern, but we hope that the people will be politically engaged enough to notice and flag any problems with that.